Good morning, church. How are y'all? Wonderful. Y'all did worse than the first service. So in the first service, I said, hey, good morning, everybody. And they were like, hey. I was like, wow, y'all talk back. Um, normally, whenever a speaker says, hey, how are y'all doing? Everybody's like, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm that person. When I'm in a crowd and somebody's like, how are y'all doing? I'm like, I ain't telling you. I didn't say nothing. Um, so, uh, but what I need from y'all today is a little bit of interaction. Can y'all do that? Let's try again. Hey, everybody, how y'all doing this morning? <laughs> yeah, that's overkill, all right? I didn't ask for that. Y'all calm down. Um, so this morning, we, we do have a little bit of special thing to do at the very beginning. Um, it is that time of year that some of our kids and some kids in the community are beginning their wonderful journey of graduation and starting real life, right? Um, what that looks like for them is always different. But we have three here today that will be uh, graduating that we're going to recognize. So if it's possible, I'll get the three of them to come up here and sit. However, Rose broke, Shane's in the middle of a bunch of people, and Tyrell's in the back. So um, how about this? How about when I call your name, try to come up here and row, you can stay put. How about that? Does that help you out? He's on crutches with a broke foot. I don't want to make him walk. But uh, <clears throat> so real quick, first off, we have Tyrell Randolph. He is a 2022 graduate of Richland High School. Uh, he was a straight-A student and received all-district and MVP honors in basketball, as well as receiving an award, y'all catch this, for setting the record uh, in his school, I believe, maybe state, he can tell me differently, for having more than 500 assists, uh, which is a really cool thing because that was his job uh, when he played. Tyrell is going to be attending Columbia State Community College to pursue a degree as an electrician. So thank you, Tyrell. Congratulations, buddy. Congrats. Now, I will say this because I think it's worth noting. I believe he had an opportunity to play basketball at Motlow. Is that right? Yeah, but he, he turned it down much to mom's frustration. Ugh, fail. But, uh, but I understand it, and I commend him anyways for doing what he's doing and going and getting his degree. So congrats, Tyrell. Um, our second individual is Mr. Roe Allen. Roe Allen is a 2022 graduate of Elkmont High School. He was awarded both the leadership and academic scholarships. Roe is going to be attending the University of North Alabama, pursuing a degree in business. So, Roe, congratulations, buddy. Um, and uh, we're, he's going to have... People are going to have big shoes to fill because he was also the quarterback at Elkmont, so that, that's out the window now. So we'll have to find somebody else to do that job. Um, and then lastly, but not leastly, is that a word, leastly? No. <laughs> You're graduating from Elkmont. You don't know if leastly is a word. Um, <laughs> sorry, to all, Amanda, don't, don't get mad at me. <laughs> so... Um, Shane Boger. Shane is a 2022 graduate of Elkmont High School. He plans to continue his business in land management um, and also continue his work at Aviagen, which he has been doing for a while. So I'm proud of him. Congratulations, buddy. Um, I do know that there are other individuals who will be graduating, some maybe college, some high school. Um, it was just a really tough 
tough situation this year trying to get everything put together, find the people uh, with some of the lack of communication that I can always have with, with church members and uh, also the fact that I was unable to be here last week because of an ER visit late in the night. and it, There was a lot that happened. So if your child was missed, I really do apologize, but we are wonderfully happy for them to be graduating and all the, the wonderful things that they're going to go on and do. So um, if I missed your child or college graduate, I do apologize, but we are super proud of these individuals that we were able to recognize. Um, all right, so we're going to get started. We're going to jump into this and see if we can't work through it. Um, if y'all have, yeah, let's go ahead and throw the title up there. Y'all ready? The Grand Opening. Exactly. See, I thought it was a terrible title too, but I didn't know what to do about it. So as I was working through this, I was like, I don't know what to call it. So we called it The Grand Opening. And when I sent it to Will, I said, hey, Will, um, I don't really know what to call this, so change it to whatever you want to. And he did me a solid and didn't change it. So that's what it is. It is the, it's the grand opening for what that's worth, but it's not what it's called. It's what's in it, right? That, that's what really matters. It says the people who eat tuna from a gas station. It's not what it's called. It's what's in it. Um, all right. So how many of y'all have ever experienced a birthday? Okay. We, we talked about this just a few minutes ago that I kind of need a little, little back and forth in the very beginning. All right. Let me try again. How many of y'all have ever experienced a birthday? A few of you. Thank you. Okay. Well, <laughs> irrelevant to what you had, my five-year-old just had a birthday, and that's what really matters. So he had his birthday <laughs> on Sunday, and uh, just had an absolute blast. Um, the, the community made it wonderful. The friends were there, uh, family. And then, as he says, Cordis and Quarter Hobbs. Uh, or, no, <laughs> Curtis and Cordis, that's it. Curtis and Cordis Hobbs came, and they brought a combine and a big tractor with a planter, and they drove it across our front yard, and Judah got to ride in the, ride in the combine and drive it, and then uh, <laughs> Curtis and Cordis broke a, a water line in my yard, so I had to dig that up and fix it. But other than that, it was a really great birthday. No good deed goes unpunished, right? And they, they do something really fun for him, and then, bam, there's water oozing out of, out of my yard. Um, which is okay. We fixed it. Um, so we had a really good time. But for anybody who's ever had a birthday, experienced a birthday, had a party, it, it's, it's not really about the cake. It's not about the people there. For him, it was probably more about the combine because he's just ecstatic about it. But for everybody else, what's the main reason for a birthday party? Gifts, right? It's a, it's a presents. But you see, the presents aren't really great until they're opened. Because they're just a present, they're wrapped up in a box, you don't really know what they are, you can't take it out and touch it and play with it and use it and actually make a thing out of it until it's opened. And, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today, is talking about the opening of things. Now, right out of the gate, probably every one of you in here are going, I know what he's going to talk about. The greatest gift that was ever given, and all we have to do is open it, right? Who thought that? Dustin, yes. I, <laughs> my brother-in-law. Yeah, okay. No, uh, so that's not what I'm going to talk about today. It is actually a different take on opening, and it, it'll make sense in a minute. But let me read you this. I'll pray, and we will get started. Um, <laughs> if presents were not opened or released, you don't actually get the benefit of the gift. There's something special about being granted access to something that you had not been granted access to before. Whether that be a new store that opens in town, 
maybe a new vehicle that you've gotten, a new house that you get to move into. Maybe it's a new marriage that you just just married into, a healing that you may get, a forgiving that you get from somebody or that you get to give to somebody. You see, being granted access to something that you have not had access to before is special. That's cool. That's fun. That's what it is to open something. What was once closed is now opened. All right? Let's jump into this. I'm going to pray, and we'll get started. God, we just uh, come before you today. And uh, pray that you begin to do what you can do, God, that you, you make this a, a special time, God. Not, not anything about me, but about you, that every bit of this is you speaking through me, that I'm able to convey your word the way that you would have it to be spoken and, and uh, begin to soften our ears, or uh, open our ears, God, soften our hearts, help us to fully understand and grasp the word that you're about to tell us today. And if this is the last time, God, that I am ever used. God, if it's the last time that you ever utilize me to share your gospel and to present your word, I pray that it's done in a way that is pleasing and gives glory and honor to you. And we just ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So, opening. That is to, to get something, to get access to something that you didn't previously have access to. If it's a gift, you open it. That gift is now there, visible, tangible. You can take it out. You can play with it. It is yours. But there are other things that we're going to talk about as we dig through the opening. Point number one, he opened your present freedom. Now, do not misconstrue this with everything that we're talking about. Present is not like a box. He opened your current time present freedom. He opened your present freedom. If you have your Bible and you want to turn with me, it would be Mark 7. Starting in verse 31. We're going to be in Mark chapter 7, 31 through 37. Y'all watch this. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the ten towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. And then y'all catch this. Spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said that word, which I do not know how to pronounce, so I'm going to skip it, which means be opened. Instantly, instantly the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so that he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He makes even the deaf to hear and give a speech to those who cannot speak. In this instance, this man had ailments. He had bondage. He had things that were hitting his life that he could not get past. What is that? He couldn't hear. And if he couldn't hear, he couldn't speak. Now, when it says he had a speech impediment, I would say that maybe at some point in his life he could kind of hear, but went deaf. And then because he couldn't hear himself speak, he did not speak as well. Would you all agree with that? So he may have experienced something, but then had that taken away from him. So here this man is. He's in a current state, a current place, and he is now tied to a problem. That problem being he can't hear, and he can't speak right. But it wasn't until God came, Jesus came, gets close to him, and then gets in his place that he begins to free him from this 
bondage. He begins to free him from this place that he's at. Now, my five-year-old is wonderful. I love him to death. He comes up with some really interesting words, though. Um, how many of y'all have ever been nauseous? Okay. Well, if you're nauseous in my house, you're queezing. <laughs> if something is making you sick, you're queezing. If it might make you sick, it makes you want to queeze. All right. So he looks at stuff and he's like, uh-uh, I'll queeze. Okay, got it. Um, and if the queezing ever, if he queezes and it turns into queezing and then he ever actually throws up, that's hanking. So <laughs> I know it's weird. Just, just roll with me. So I don't know about y'all, but if, if, if it took somebody walking up to me saying, hey, I'm going to, I can, I can help you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to touch your ears. Great. I'm going to spit on my fingers and put them in your mouth. I'd queeze, right? Would y'all do that? I'd, I'd probably queeze a little bit because that, that's just, that's rough. Okay. Uh, but that's what happened. That's what Jesus did. And we're going to, we're going to walk through this a little bit. We're going to backtrack and talk about it for a second. But there is a, a piece of scripture that I want to, I want to reemphasize here. And we're going to go back to it. It's in verse 34, Mark 7, 34. We just read it. It says, looking up to heaven, he sighed. Remember that. He sighed and said that word, which means be opened. Let's look at another story, and then we're going to talk about it. Mark 8, starting in verse 22. Mark chapter 8, so flip over a chapter. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22. It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And then spitting on the man's eyes, there he is spitting again, spitting on the man's eyes, he said, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around, yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And in verse 25, then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were what? His eyes were what? Opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. If we're going to talk about Jesus being able to grant you your current time, your present freedom, you have to look at how it happened. He took these men where they were in the bondage that they had, that the world caused, because it is a fallen world. It, it took that, and he said, you can't hear, you can't speak, you can't see. Let me touch you. Let me heal you. Let me be right there with you. Not only am I going to heal you, I'm going to open these things that were cut off from you. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to grant you access to something that you currently do not have access to. He opened it. He opened it. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Sure. All right, we're ready. In your life, you may not be blind, you may not be deaf, and you may not have a speech impediment, but man, you were as bonded up as anybody. Why? Because you have sin nature. You were a fallen creation from the very beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and perfection was ended and, and sin entered, when death entered, when sickness entered, when ailments entered, when all these things began happening because we were a fallen creation, it says that you were born in a sinful state. You were born into a sin nature. And because of that, you are bound. You say, well, I'm a believer. I get that. You may be. But there are still sins that Scripture says can so easily tangle you up and entrap you and trip you. You see, you may not necessarily be blind, deaf, 
speech impediment, be the physical ailments, but man, we are, we are spiritually ailed. We are held up a lot in our spiritual world. And it says, Jesus came and he touched them and he opened them. You may be sitting there, you may be struggling. You may be struggling with alcoholism. You may be struggling with pornography. You may be struggling with, with, with being faithful to your wife or your husband. Or you may be sitting in a place where you, you can't keep a job. You're an angry person. You just, you just can't seem to get stuff going in your life. You are just bound up by the, easily, the things that so easily trap you up and trip you up. The things in this life that will, will start to cause you to be bound by something of this world. The, the things that will will not allow you to be what you were supposed to be. Well, let's go back and look in Mark 7, verse 34. It says, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. I picture it, pinkies. And then he spit on these fingers, probably his thumbs. That's what I'd have done. I'd have went peaky, thumb in the mouth, right? <laughs> I, I see no other way to make this work. Y'all get it? So if it says he stuck fingers in his ears and then spit on his own fingers and then touched his tongue, I, I think that's how it worked. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, he might have like, I don't know. But imagine being that guy. You're deaf. You can't talk. That's tormenting. That's probably miserable. And then somebody walks up and says, I can heal you. And you're like, great, let's do it. Let, let's make this right. Let's, let, let's get this stuff out. Grant me access to something that I don't have access to anymore. Make this right. And Jesus says, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to stick my fingers in your ears. And you're like, okay, great, man, that's wonderful. And he says, I'm going to spit on my fingers. I'm going to stick them on your tongue. Huh. <laughs> Is there no other way? Because that's kind of nasty. That'll make me queeze, Right. When you get to a place where you are spiritually bound, Jesus can fix you, but I'm telling you, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. It's not something where he's just going to be like, you are healed. No, it takes discipline. Discipline on the spiritual side from your sake and discipline from the Father saying, these things are not correct. These things must be removed. And sometimes, most of the time, that hurts. It is a weaning process. It is a, it is a growth process. It's something where he says, I'll, I'll open up this area of your life. I'll keep you from being an alcoholic, but it's going to be a withdrawal. It's going to be a pain. It's going to be hard. It's going to be accountability. It's going to be you confessing sin. It's going to be you opening up yourself to other people and showing your shame, saying, I fail in this area. I'm not perfect. I'm not good enough. And guys, that hurts. That's not fun. But if you want to be released, if you want access to a better life, if you want access to the life that God has made you to have, that's what it takes. Mark 7, 34, Jesus puts his fingers in his ears, his fingers in his mouth, and then it says he sighed. He sighed. If you sigh, there's usually reasons. One of my reasons is I'm tired, <sighs> right? Another reason, I'm frustrated, <sighs> right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all have been there. You've been in the moment where you felt like you just have to sigh. Maybe you're overwhelmed a little bit. Thursday, my child, 
who just celebrated his birthday Sunday, got a trampoline and no good deed goes unpunished. As Rick and Bubba say, can't have nothing. Well, he can't have anything, right? He got a trampoline that he can now no longer jump on for like six weeks. He was, he was riding his bike at the tennis courts in the village, turned, bike fell over, he fell off, snapped his arm right here. Bam, both bones broke, wrist completely disconnected. Little dude's a trooper, didn't cry once, Okay. Not one time. I'm dead serious. Didn't cry one time. Don't know how because I would have been losing my mind. Right? So we go to the ER and he's holding everything. He's trying his best to keep, keep cool. He, he's done great the whole ride there. He's laying there for two hours, still no pain medicine. They're doing x-rays. They're doing what they can. And then it comes time to set his, set his bone, to get it back where it needed to be. And this is where I sighed. And it wasn't like a sad sigh. It wasn't a it was an angry sigh because they put an IV in and it blew. It happens. Well, they put another IV in and it blew and I'm getting mad. By the fifth time, all five IVs have blown. Dad's going, I'm about, to come. I'm about to come unglued. This kid not only has a broken bone and he hadn't cried, he's letting you dig in his veins trying to find an IV. Two here, four in his hand and one right here. And I'm going, enough. This is not the way it should be. I'm starting to get frustrated, right? And my wife's going, he's doing good. Let him do it. <laughs> Man, dads, right? Okay. Finally, they get the IV and they do what they need to do. But I know the feeling whenever something was there, something wasn't right, and something needed fixed. Translate that to Jesus. This isn't right. This creation should not be this way. You shouldn't be deaf. You shouldn't have speech impediments. You shouldn't be blind. That's not the way I created you. You shouldn't be in this spiritual bondage that you're in. You shouldn't be struggling with the things you struggle with. That is not the way I created you. I created you to be holy. I created you to be righteous. I created you to have a relationship with me. We've got to fix it, but it's going to hurt. Do y'all see this? He has made a way in your current state to free you from where you are and to take you into a closer relationship with him. But it's not always a fun thing. Let's jump at point number two. Y'all ready? Point number two. He opened your future opportunities. He opened your future opportunities. Revelation 3.8 says, I know all the things you do, and I've opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Y'all remember this as we talk about that. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Second Peter 1, 3 through 9 says this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of this glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Verse 5, y'all ready? In view of all this, 
Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sin. Now, there may come a time in your life we're talking about future opportunities that God has opened. Revelation 3.8 says, You, God sees everything that you do, and he opens doors that no one can close. And he knows you have little strength, but he also knows you haven't given up. Can we get real? Because this is probably going to, we're going to get real. You may be in a current situation in your life where you feel like there is a door that you know should be open that is not open. There, there is a door in your life that you are, you are just, you know, and you know, and you know, and you know that that is what God has called you to do. That's an ability that he has given you. It is a door that should be open and it is not open and you just don't understand it. If you've been there, we're about to talk about it. Scripture says not to grow weary in well-doing. Scripture says he's the one who opens and closes doors. That's his job, not ours. Scripture says, I know you may be tired, but keep on going. If we're going to talk about God, Jesus, opening up our future opportunities, we have to talk about us and the role we play in that. God knows his plans for you, and he knows the divine, he has the divine ability to open and close those doors for you. However, you have the role to play. We have to be obedient waiters while the door is not open. God has called us to grow, and part of growing is waiting. In your life, you will most certainly run into times where you so desperately want the next phase of your life opened, and it just won't open. Whether that's spiritual leadership opportunities, job opportunities, relationship opportunities, financial opportunities, school opportunities, there are so many opportunities that you may stop and look in your life and say, that door needs to be opened, and that gummit I'm going to open it. More times than not, you see this in the church. You see it in the church because there are people who know that they can serve. There are people who are servants at heart. There are people who are giving gifts. There are people who have abilities. And they come into a church and they say, I, yea, verily, know that I can serve in this facet, this avenue. And they want to get in. Now, how many of y'all, and you don't have to raise your hand, but think about this, have ever walked into a church and tried to get plugged in and this is what you hit? I'm trying and it's just not happening. I know that this is an opportunity I have. I know this is a skill set that I can offer. I know this is a gift God has for me. I'm doing my best to get plugged in. God, where's my opportunity? Because I feel that you've called me to it and this is what you get. In those moments is where you have to be super, super careful. Those are the moments where they will make you or break you. Those are the moments where you have a choice to make. 
Do you do what Revelation 3.8 says? When you're tired, you didn't give up on his word and you kept fighting and you stayed close and you got all up in there. Scripture says be ready in season and out of season. I don't believe Scripture would say out of season if there wasn't an out of season. There is a time when you will not serve. There is a time when the opportunity is not there. There is a time whenever God says no. And that hurts. You see, there, there's this giant puzzle piece. God sees the beginning and he sees the end. And there's a puzzle that he's putting together in the places, in the pieces. And he says, this is where you fit. That's where you fit. This is how this is going to work to make it all flow the way that he, he, is, he knows it's going to happen. What if you're the piece in the middle? If you're the piece in the middle, you don't do any good until the pieces around you are there. Right? You may be the most important piece that finishes, that puts it there, that fits right where it needs to be. But until the other pieces are ready for you, when God says, now it is your time, you do no good beating down that door. Do you get that? What we have to do is we have to get to a place where we understand God is in control and we may have to be in the waiting period. We may have to be at a place to where that door isn't opening and we've got to keep seeking and we've got to keep trying. And what we have to be very careful of is that we allow sin to creep in. And when I say sin, I mean it in a couple different ways. Sin within yourself in saying I don't understand why God isn't doing this. I'm going to make sure it happens. You know what? Better yet, I've served before. I've served in this. I know what I can do. I know what to do. And if they don't want me, if they don't think it's right, if they don't think I'm good enough, I'll just take my ball and go somewhere else. And guess what? If you take your ball and go somewhere else, what are you going to hit? Why? Because it's not your timing. It's God's timing. He's called you to be faithful. There are a lot of people in this church. I know y'all are servants. I know y'all can serve. There just may not always be opportunities, and that is a hard thing to swallow. But I promise you, if you stay, if you stay focused and you stay close to the Lord, when the time comes and your puzzle piece is ready, he'll open that door, and he'll make it right. But in the meantime, don't let Satan tell you you're worthless. Don't let him tell you your gift is useless. Don't let him tell you you're not good enough. Don't let him tell you that you'll never be used. Don't let him tell you that it's something outside of this. It could be, nobody tells you all this, it could be right now the answer is no. That's hard. I've been there. I've walked through it with family members. I've walked through it myself. I've walked through it with my wife. Sometimes the answer is no. And it's what you do with that that matters. Let me give you a couple, couple um, scripture references, little stories, and I'll give you a real life one, and then we'll move on to point three. How about Abraham and Sarah? Abraham and Sarah is a great example of this. An angel of the Lord comes to him and says, hey, you're going to have a child, and out of this child is going to be a great nation. It's going to be birth, and it's going to be a really cool thing, and y'all are going to have a child. And I know you're 99, and Sarah's laughing about it, but it's going to happen. And they began waiting and waiting and waiting. And it wasn't happening. She wasn't pregnant. So what does Sarah do? She says, Abraham, open the door. 
I'm tired of waiting on God to do it. You open it. Go to my, my maidservant and have a child. Because God said it would happen, and I know that door needs to be opened. God, let's open it. Thank you, Sarah. We have problems in the Middle East. And then God, in his right time, gave birth to the correct kid, right? It was waiting, and they kicked the can. Story number two, Saul. Saul gives a sacrifice that was not his to give. He goes through, and the, the Israelite army is defeating nations. They're, they're going through just, man, taking names, handling it, destroying armies, nations. They're walking through what God's called them to walk through. And he gets to a place where he sees the army that he is to take. And he's on a hill, and he's like, I see them out there. Look at them. They're puny. We can handle them. We can take it. I'm ready to kill them righteously, as God says. But he also said, wait on Samuel, the prophet to give the burnt offering before you attack. So Saul does what every other human would probably do. He waits, and he waits, and he waits. And you can see this story in 1 Samuel 13. And he waits. Samuel was seven days late getting there. Seven days. So Saul's starting to get Yancey. He's going, I want to take care of this. I want to handle it. I want to go do this. Saul, where are you at? Saul hadn't showed up. Why is Saul not showing up? And he starts to see his army start to dwindle. They start to leave. And he's starting to go, well, this isn't right. Uh, obviously, God must want me to do this, and I'm going to kick this door open myself. So, so we've got to attack that army. My army. This is bad. I'm going to offer the burnt offering. So he, he builds the altar. He makes the sacrifice, and he does it. And then right after he does it, guess who tops the hill? Samuel. And Samuel looks at him and says, Saul, what did you do? What have you done? And Saul says, you were seven days late. And he's like, no, actually, I'm here when I'm supposed to be. You opened a door you were not supposed to open yet. You waited incorrectly. And with you waiting incorrectly, you've brought upon sin. The Spirit of God is going to leave you now. Your kingdom is nothing. You're not going to be king anymore. He, everything God built through Saul, God took away through Saul because of his disobedience in the waiting. Do y'all see this? God opens future opportunities, but guys, you have to be ready to wait. In season, out of season, digging into God so when your puzzle piece goes, it's right. Let me give you one real life story. We will we'll wrap this up. Within about 10 minutes, we're going to be done, I promise. <clears throat> I got permission to use this story because it, it fits very well. Um, Libby McMillan. Libby McMillan works with our student ministry. She's been there pretty much from the get-go. Her and Carson have been helping me from the start of it, right? Libby McMillan has a heart for student ministry, and she has a heart, I think, even more deeply for small groups. Now, Libby went and got a degree doing what she's doing. She's smart at it. She's good at it. And she desired small group time with students more than anybody I know. Y'all know when we started this church, we met in the old gym at Elkmont on a Sunday morning. And then we decided we've got to do something with students. So <laughs> I was moving in Elkmont building a house. I didn't have a house to put them in. I didn't have one. Can't meet at my house. How about we meet in the Elkmont Rural Village office? That'll work. So we started meeting in the village office. 
That was a little bit of a struggle, right? But we were doing that. There was no room for small groups. We didn't have a home to put them in. We didn't have a way to do it. Well, then COVID happened. And we know what happened with COVID. We went to Zoom. <laughs> and we started Zoom, and I had one kid that called into the Zoom stuff with me. And I'm like, hey, Junior, how's it going? <laughs> right? So me and Junior did Zoom for a little while, and that was cool. But then... We got to where we had this building, and we got to start coming in here. We started doing Sunday nights, and what was one kid turned into five, which turned into 12, which turned into 15, to now we have about 50-something that are rolling through what we're doing in, in everything that we do. But I know right here on this stage, during all that process, I had conversations with Libby, conversations with Libby, one in particular where she got up here and she was losing it. Breaking down, frustrated, irritated, saying, I feel like I've been called to student ministry. I feel like I've been called to do small groups, and none of it's happening, and I just don't know that I need to do this anymore. I don't know that I can do it. I feel like I need to quit, and I'm like, Libby, don't. It's just not time. And I told her, I understand that. Yes, small groups, home groups, that's something the students need to walk towards, but we are not there yet. She's like, I don't know that I can do it because, man, this was a desire she had. And I tell you, it wasn't just a couple months after that conversation. Libby started a small group in her home with students, three or four girls, right? Y'all watch this. Most of those three or four girls were not here when Libby was having that conversation with me. That puzzle piece wasn't ready. The people around her that she needed to disciple were not here yet. <laughs> and Libby's going, I'm going to give up. I'm either going to kick this door down and I'm going to do small groups or I'm going home. And had Libby walked off, these girls wouldn't be getting discipled. She wouldn't be doing what God's called her to do. She wouldn't have the heart and the desire and the things to actually come to fruition had she just left. But I'm telling you, in the waiting, be faithful. In the waiting, be frustrated, yes, but be faithful and know that God will open the door when the door needs to be opened. He opens your future opportunities, not you. And lastly, point number three, and we're done is this. He opened your eternal relationship. He opened your eternal relationship. Now, in Scripture, there are things that we are taught, and I'd like to teach you this real quick before we, before we finish it up. There, in Old Testament times, there was a tabernacle or a temple or whatever you wanted to call it. This is where the presence of God dwelt. There were rooms within this, this building, and, and some of the rooms led you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the building until you got to a place called the holy place and then the most holy place, or how you would see it, the holy place and the holy of holies. It depends on what your translation of Scripture calls it. But out of those two rooms, there was something that separated it. And most of y'all know this, but if you don't, I want to teach you about it. Most of you know that that thing that separated the holy place and the most holy place was a veil, a curtain. Because on the other side of that curtain was the presence of God and the Ark of the Covenant and everything that that indwelt. And to get through the curtain into the most holy place... You had to be a high priest who's met certain criteria, certain conditions, dressed certain ways, had everything just right. Because if you walked in the holy place in an incorrect way, you died. Flat out. 
There were certain things you had to wear, certain things you had to do, sacrifices that had to be made for you to get on the other side of that curtain. And had you walked to that curtain incorrectly, you were killed. They tied a rope to the ankle of the high priest and bells on him. And if the dude died, you would know because he wouldn't be jingling. (laughs) He's pulling him out. That's how intense it is to go from the holy place to the most holy place. Y'all watch this. He opened your eternal relationship. Exodus 26, 31 through 33 says, For inside of the tabernacle make a special curtain of finely woven linen. This is God-given direction. Decorate it with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and with skillfully embroidered cherubim, which is like angels. It says, Hang this curtain on gold hooks that are attached to four posts of acacia wood. Overlay the posts with gold and set them in four silver bases. Hang the inner curtain from clasps and put the Ark of the Covenant on the other side in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. In Scripture, there's a lot of things that have symbolism, things that have significance. The colors of this curtain matter. Blue purple, and scarlet. Blue in Scripture represents God. It represents the heavenly realm. It represents everything that He is. So you got blue woven into this curtain. And then purple. Purple represented royalty, holiness, everything that God was. And we all know what scarlet represents. Scarlet represents the sacrifice and atonement. Because you see, it was a constant reminder on that veil, on that curtain, that on this side of it is God who is holy. And in order to get there, there's a sacrifice that has to be made. Don't lose track of what's behind this veil. Every time you look at it, you're reminded of God, holiness, and sacrifice. Y'all got that? Will, Jeremiah, as y'all come, y'all watch this. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus what? Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into, oh man, right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water when I'm telling you Jesus Christ opened up an eternal relationship here's what happened in the garden of Eden we had relationship we had hope we had life we communicated with God we walked with God we talked with him we were together perfect no bondage no waiting no sin no ailments no nothing it was perfect until we kicked the can and when we kicked the can he said get out of the garden you were forever banned work the ground for what it is that's where you'll get food that's where you'll get life you have to work for it and then he said I'm actually going to close this off I'm going to put hanging swords of fire that swing back and forth into the opening of the garden. You will not come back into that place. Our relationship is severed. No more. 
And then he said, for you to get into my presence now, there's a curtain and not everybody can do it, just one person. The high priest alone can come into my presence and he'll talk for you. He'll offer sacrifices for you. He'll do the sin taking stuff care. He'll take care of the sin stuff for you. You can't anymore. That was taken away from you. And remember that by the blue that represents God, by the purple that represents royalty, and by the red that represents blood and sacrifice. You can't get to me anymore. But then Jesus Christ hits the scene and he says, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to open it back up. No more will we not have relationship. Now we will have relationship. Now we can talk. Now we can see. Now we can be together. We can be set free. I'm going to open it back up. So he, he does what he does. He lives a perfect life. He heals people. He hurts. He works with people. He loves people. He gets to the place of the skull and he says, take it now. Put me up here. Let's get this thing done with. That relationship's got to come back. I'm going to open it up. The scriptures say that when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he bows his head and screams, it is finished. That that curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And he opened it up and said, guess what? Because that was God and it was holy and it was royalty and it was blood and it was a sacrifice. Look at me. I'm God, and I'm royal, and I'm holy, and I'm the sacrifice. Get rid of it, and now you can walk out of the holy into the most holies. Step right up in the presence of God and say, here I am, God. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm bound up. I can't see. I can't hear. I have sin in my life. Fix me. And he'll fix you. He'll give you that freedom where you are. And then you can walk up to him and say, I'm tired of waiting. God, I'm ready. Where are you at? God, I want to serve. Why can I not serve? And he says, be patient, my child. For just like Jesus had to wait for his time, you have to wait for your time. Come to me and rest. I'm opening up this opportunity. And you say, well, Pastor Joseph, how do I get that opportunity? How do I pass from where I am in the holy place in the world to the most holies? It is by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary that you have that opportunity. Scripture tells you that he is the eternal sacrifice for sin and that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you can and will be saved. That is all it takes. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have every opportunity to be freed from sin, freed from bondage. You have every opportunity to be used to serve God in his time when he tells you, but you also have every opportunity to walk into the presence of God. So with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I wanna give you the opportunity. I want you to think, I want you to do business with yourself. It's not me, it's not you, it's not the person beside you. If you're out there and you can say, man, there's some stuff going on in my life and I just need God to handle it. Guess what? Walk up in the presence of God. Get in the Holy of Holies. That curtain was torn. That thing was ripped. Why? So it says he could open a new life-giving way. He gave it to you. All you got to do is walk up in it and lay there. 
If you're struggling with sin or you got something in your life that you just can't seem to shake or that you need help with, we're here to talk to you. We're here to pray for you. This altar is always open. But most importantly, if you're out there and you can say that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you have questions about it, or you want to know more about it, we have counselors that will talk to you. I'll talk to you. We want to make sure that you know what it is to be saved and give you that opportunity. Here in a moment, I'm going to pray, then we'll stand and we'll lead us in a song. If that's you and you need prayer, you need an opportunity, you need to talk to somebody, whatever it is that you need, remember that curtain's been torn. You can walk right up into the presence of God. He's opened up these avenues for you. God, we just ask you that you come before us today, God, that you you begin to move every heart in this place, God, that they get what they need from you, that your spirit starts to circle this place, God, flood this place so that we know that you're here, God. Help us to be able to reach into and fall into the presence of who you are. And God, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, that needs to know you, I pray that you give them boldness, that you give them strength to do what they've never done, God. Please give them access to something they've never accessed before. Walk them from death to life, God, with your power of your spirit and your strength within them. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. If you would stand, Will's going to sing. They'll lead us in song. If you need anything, the altar's open. I'm here. We would love to talk to you.